0: DIY 20 at checkout to save 20%.
1: Think you know the Brooks Ghost?
0: Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles
1: into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more.
0: If used correctly, the e-collar can be your best friend. If used incorrectly, you can ruin your dog. do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up train your dog but now it's time to train yourself rocky mountain hunt strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder this company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, welcome back to another week of GDIY. This is one of your co-hosts, Nick, coming live from the studio. Our GDIY field correspondent, Adam Williams, is working remote today. Adam, how you doing?
2: Good, man. I'm teleworking to do the podcast. <laughs> I, uh, call me the field correspondent. I feel like I need to have a microphone and a rain jacket and, you know, be really official out here.
0: <laughs> yep, you're a little late to the ball game. <laughs> With, uh, this whole virus situation causing you to work remote though.
2: Yeah, it's funny, man. I'm actually at a ball game. I'm mean, at my son's baseball game. I said, I'll just go record this with you. You know, I'll be the, the field correspondent from, uh, <laughs> from my truck. We'll knock this out and get this episode up. Nice. Well, you're hitting on all cylinders with these little play on words lately. Hey
0: man, you know, we all have our secret talents, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sure, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, real quick, we actually had a pretty interesting question from a listener last week, and I figured I'd uh, put you on the hot seat and throw it your way and kind of get your thoughts on it before we roll into this episode on Mm -hmm. e-collars. So he reached out and he wanted to know, is it acceptable or even advisable to request to see the parents of a litter hunt on wild birds and not just on pen raised birds?
2: Okay, so uh, I knew that you were going to have a random question for me, but I didn't know what this question was going to be. So, all right, is it acceptable to ask the breeder, hey, can I see the parents of this litter uh, hunt on wild birds, right? Right. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I I mean, that's that's a huge expectation, and I would say that if you're getting a dog just for the sake of testing or trialing, and you don't plan to do much hunting, then, then your priority would not really be seeing the, the parents of the dog work on wild birds. It wouldn't be a real priori- priority for you. But if you're getting a dog just primarily to hunt and you're not too concerned about uh, testing or trialing, then yeah, that would be great. I mean, that would be phenomenal, but there's some considerations um what if it's not hunting season some states lie to run your dog on game birds on wild game birds outside of the season you just can't shoot them mm-hmm. um so that's something you have to work through but if you're gonna yeah. get the dog to hunt with yeah i mean ask for ask for the moon right ask for whatever you want
0: right i i agree with that and really the only Thing that I would add to that is I advised him like absolutely you can ask it, but you know, the breeder also has the right to say no to that because there's a number of other things that you're considering. You're you're essentially asking the breeder to take you on a hunt, and some people you know, if they don't know you, they may not feel comfortable taking you hunting, especially with their dogs, and especially if you're asking to go to one of their spots. Maybe they don't want you hot spotting and stealing one of their, you know, secret hidden spots and grouse covers and all that. So, you know, I, I think yep. it's a fair question to ask, but don't get down if the breeder just says he's not comfortable with that.
2: If someone asked me to, to take out you know, my dogs, if I was going to have a litter and they said, Hey, take me out. Let me see your dogs on wild birds. I'd probably say, no problem. Where are we going? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a a pretty interesting question because you you get a bunch of questions like that, but I, I haven't gotten too many about asking breeders specifically to see him on wild birds and i thought that was an interesting take and then it got me thinking why don't i take some of these listener questions and feedback and just put you on the hot spot every week and if i get some interesting questions throw them your way and make you sweat a little bit on the on the intro every
2: week hey sounds good man sounds good (laughs) as long as we don't call it dump the chump you
0: know yeah yeah and it doesn't even have to be about dogs you know life questions life advice from adam you know you're so experienced and older than everybody
2: <laughs> oh man i'm like a month older than you you know like we can just keep, it, keep it the dog <laughs> yep.
0: well why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about today
2: e-callers man uh, i'm excited to get this episode out um we kind of hit the the basics on it uh, everything from how to put the e-collar on. And then and then we get into some more of the details. Um, but I'm excited to get this episode out. I think it's going to be really good. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. A little secret. I was totally against getting an e-collar for my first dog. No. And my wife, Jackie, is actually the one that said, we need to get an e-collar. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to shock him. I don't want to hurt him. And then uh, got some lessons in e-collar, did some studying, you know, and it turned out to be a great tool.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's the key keyword tool. And just like every other tool in the tool shed, if, if it's not the right tool for the job, you can do a lot more harm than good. You you need to know how to use it and when the right time is and, and the right method and all that. And that, and that kind of goes nicely into this being one of the topics that, uh, we need to do kind of our little safety briefing and remind everybody, we are not pro trainers. We are not experts. We are your average dog handler and enthusiast talking to other average dog handlers and enthusiasts, and we give that perspective. And, and we've been fortunate on our end to learn from a lot more experienced and knowledgeable trainers in this world. And so we're just kind of passing on a lot of the knowledge that we've had, but say you've been doing this for a long time and we give some advice that you may not a hundred percent agree with it. Don't get upset, you know, shoot it to us, shoot it to us in an email, gundog at yourself at gmail.com. We're always open for feedback, constructive criticism, whatever. And, and we're always open to, to learn more. And that, that's what we're here to do.
2: Yeah. That's the purpose of our podcast is to, for us to learn more and for us to help people learn from the mistakes and the limited success that we've had. Um, so yeah, absolutely share some, you know, we don't think when we record an episode that we know everything, we know that there are people out there that know more than us, <laughs> plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Like Nick said, hit us up with an email or hit us up on social media. Uh, if you haven't liked and followed us yet, do that. And then leave us a comment about e-collars if you'd like. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Just search us under Gun Dog it Yourself on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to hit that subscribe button with whatever platform you're listening on right now. Remember to give us a rating review. Check out our Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash Yourself. RGS uh, was our spotlight company last month, and they gave out a lot of swag to all our Patreon users. And so if you want to support them and other spotlight companies each month, be sure to sign up. And uh, part of your donation will go to the spotlight company of each month. So appreciate it and hope you guys enjoy. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomobile construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to GundogItYourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, Adam, we're here tonight to uh, finally talk about e-collars. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's honestly quite shocking to me that... You see what I did there?
1: Have you been thinking about that all day? <laughs> man, it's, it's been...
0: It's like, oh, I can't wait to get this pun out. I can tell. You, you didn't got, think of you that You gotta appreciate now. a good pun. It's shocking. It is shocking. <laughs> no, honestly, it's shocking to me how, like, since we've been doing this, you know, we're not experts on anything, but there's been very consistent questions on on certain topics and and it's you know e-collar force fetch and the most shocking of them all has really been (laughs) check cords yeah and and how many questions we get about that but uh yeah the e-collars we've been getting asked a lot about giving us giving our thoughts on it and just the process on how to do it so we figure okay let's go ahead and give our thoughts on it this is we're again we're not experts we don't work for Any e collar company out there, we're not sponsored by any e collar company out there. Hint, hint if you're an e collar company, hit us up.
1: But yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, so this is just that was way better than your shocking joke. (laughs) Hey, hey, better than the joke you came up with. All right, didn't have
0: one. Yeah, so uh, yeah, this is just a very basic understanding of e-collars you know we both use them you you use yours a little bit more than i do honestly (laughs) you're
1: gonna say i use it a lot more because i I do use it a lot more yeah but uh this is something i've been thinking about yeah in preparation for this (laughs) and after recording with other people and learning some stuff i'm like i've been using this too much (laughs) well you know, this podcast, it, it does good because
0: we give the average guy's perspective and and advice from the the perspective that the average guy can, can understand. And, you know, a lot of the viewpoints or questions that we have is the same as a lot of other people. And so that's really what we're going to do here. We, again, we don't work for a collar company. We're not going to go into the science of collars or anything like that, but just a very basic understanding of this is an e-collar. This is how we know to use it and we will advise you
1: to use it, I guess. Yeah, we'll give it our best shot and (laughs) we'll probably get in over our heads and someone will make fun of us, but that's okay.
0: Uh, Yeah, we can take it. Yep. So I guess just start out with the different types of collars. You know, if you're going to go with an e-collar, you have to first get an e-collar.
1: Yeah, so there's, uh, like anything, you get what you pay for and... As much as I do use my e-collar, I had my dog in Lowe's the other day, came across another dog. I put Mitchell on a stay. I said, can I pet your dog? I walked over. I'm I'm looking at it as this is a good training opportunity. I walked over. I pet the other dog. Mitchell stayed there. I'm like, yes, he's doing great. You know, because I'm, he looks like he's going to just like pounce any minute, but but he stayed there and uh somebody saw that, of course, and were like, Oh, what kind of trainer are you using? I'm like, <laughs> Trainer? Oh, the collar. Yeah. Um, you know, so I had to explain to him that it's like anything. You get what you pay for. Um, you don't need to go out there and spend maybe five hundred dollars like right off the bat. But that's yeah. that's basically what I've done is I started with a one hundred dollar collar. Um, later found out that I wasn't happy with the consistency on each of those settings. Yeah. So then I got a $250 collar, wasn't happy with the range of settings on that collar and then got a $400 collar and I'm happy (laughs) with it. So what's that? 750 bucks I've spent on e-collars. Yeah. I could have just spent 400 up front and been happy. Yeah. Um, but you know, the first one I got was i don't know six well, you had or seven build, years ago you had to build up to it and figure out exactly what you
0: needed and like right. in a collar and and so that there's plenty of types of collars out there and like you're alluding to with the price range you kind of get what you pay for that you know you can go into pet smart and they have these little e-collars for like 30 bucks right and from my understanding the the difference that what you're getting in is consistency not just with different levels of output and everything but just the timing of it the cheaper collars apparently have a longer radio signal from the remote to the collar and so if you need immediate you know you're trying to mark a certain action or correction you need that immediate result and that's what the $30 collar is not going to give you even if
1: it's a fraction of a second you're you're missing Your timing has to be great with an e-collar and with dog training in general. So if your collar is a fraction of a second off, then it's not not good. And so,
0: but as far as types of collars, you have everything on the market. If you just search e-collars, there's all kinds of stuff from just bark collars To your regular, just you know, handheld collar that ranges from thirty bucks up to five hundred bucks. To your tracking collar. To your tracking with a correction collar. Right. And then, do you need a beeper? Do you need a pager? Do you? (laughs) you, There's so many options on it. It's like buying a freaking car. You you have to figure out which package that you're you're looking for in your collar. And so, it's you know, me and you are kind of along, along the same lines of we want a reliable collar hopefully affordable Mm -hmm. the best that we can find anyway for the price range and uh but you don't need i I run a garmin alpha it's a tracking and it has a stem stem on it i run that hunting but i don't use it for training because it's too cumbersome it's too way too many settings if you need to change something it takes too long yep so for my training collar i have a Dogtra. Nineteen hundred models, something or another that I've had for over ten years now, I think it's like fourteen years old. I don't even yeah. think they make the model anymore, but that was two hundred dollars when I bought it, and I've gotten fourteen years' use out of it.
1: yep, so it's worth it um with the Garmin Alpha or any of the like track and train models, my opinion is that when you combine two things like that, it's great. I use one for hunting too um but it's really not good for a training collar and i'm i'm totally happy with garmin's products i have the garmin pro 550 that i use for training totally happy with it but the garmin alpha like you said you just have to press too many buttons to change your stem level yeah and that's exactly the opposite with the pro 550 is you can have it on a setting so you know three say you have it on your dial on three well you can go low medium and high with just the press of a button yeah. so it's an expensive those are both expensive collars um i'm really happy with them but you know i started with like a, a sport dog hundred dollar collar and i think sport dog has some good products too but i bought one of their lower end products yeah and i just noticed some some inconsistencies with it yeah so,
0: and so you stepped your game up, and we're we're obviously going to get into different stem levels and why you need the range and and why you may want easier changing and stuff like that, depending on what you're training on. But so really, you need to decide as far as collar goes, what you you're looking for, the level of stem, the range of stem. Do you need a tone button? Do you want a tone button? Uh, I think your Garmin Five Hundred and Fifty, while it's not quote-unquote a tracking collar it still gives you the direction that the dog's
1: in so that that would be the the pro 550 plus gives you the direction ah uh-huh. so you have the 550 minus i just yeah I have the <laughs> five, the, just the 550 um, okay and i thought about getting the the 550 plus yeah or whatever yeah the 550 plus that had the gps but i already have the alpha yeah which gives me You know, the the direction and where my truck is and how many miles my dog has run and it's a a bunch of different smartphone for your collar. Yeah. So I thought, nah, I really don't wanna Yeah. I don't wanna get spend the extra money on the on the plus. But if I had it to do over, I might get the five fifty plus and just call it and not have anything else
0: go ahead and buy another collar <laughs> ah, no i'm good <laughs> so uh so yeah it, just like your dog and picking out your dog you need to figure out what what you are looking for in your collar and go from there and and do your research and look at the reviews and so on and so forth and then once you get your collar th- this may seem like it doesn't really deserve being talked about but we've all seen it with different people, especially with their first dog, they don't really know how to properly put the collar on their dog. Absolutely. So Adam, tell everybody, like, how do you put the collar on?
1: So if you feel right behind the dog's ear, if you put your, your hand uh, right behind their ears and their head where it meets their neck, you can feel kind of a crevice on each side of their neck. And that's where the collar is supposed to go, so that it doesn't slip out of there um, as easily. So you put the collar right up, you know, against their head, and you get it tighter than what most people would think. Um, when when people that don't know any better see me put an e-collar on, they're like, "Oh, whoa, that collar's tight." I'm like, "Yeah, well, it's." you know you have to have the connection the the oh, nodes yes. or whatever you call them have to be touching the dog's neck so if it's loose and hanging i mean i've seen people with e-collar just kind of hanging off the neck and the problem is one minute and not to get too far into stem levels and stuff but say you've got it on a level three and your collar's loose and you're pressing it and you're like man this isn't working yeah well it's not touching your dog so then you crank it up to four man still not getting a response crank it up to five and then the dog <laughs> shifts in a way that now you're getting a connection yep. and it's way too high of a level than what you need so it doesn't hurt the dog to put the collar on tight i always make sure that i can fit two fingers yep. underneath that's what i the was about collar. to
0: say is two fingers is really a good good standpoint but also with with the little stem nodes that you called it yep touching the skin That can vary depending on the type of coat you have on your dog, and that's why these the reputable collars they're going to come with different size nodes for the collar. And so, if you have a thick, long-haired dog, you may need that longer, uh, (laughs) the longer node, and you can just swap them out. And then, if you have a shorter, medium-haired dog that uh there's no worries about that you can go with the shorter ones don't don't be afraid to put the longer ones on just because it's it looks like oh man that's just gonna stab the dog it's not it's just getting through the coat because you have to make skin contact for it to work
1: i thought those the the longer nodes were kind of a gimmick or something until i put a collar on a longer haired dog the sheep-a-doodle that i've been helping my (laughs) sister-in-law with (laughs) and uh the shorter nodes weren't weren't working on that dog so I had to get the the longer nodes on the collar that she got for him and and then I actually have to like kind of make sure it's connected like yeah wiggle the collar back and forth on the dog's neck just to make sure it's uh connect a little bit so you know that's that's something you got to consider if you got a long-haired dog yeah and so I mean like you're
0: saying it's you have to put the collar on correctly And you're not strangling the dog, but it needs to be tight so it has good connection. You have to have the right size nodes on there to make sure you have the connection. And all this goes into consistency, which now that let's go on into training with the collar because that's really what everybody – is always asking about is training with the collar and the, and the whole thing around the collar, it's just like everything else in training revolves around consistency. And so that's why what we were just talking about, the fit is so important because if you don't have the right connection or contact with the skin, you're not going to have reliable consistency. And so while you're trying to train with the collar, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot and missing opportunities to
1: for the dog to associate what you're trying
0: to communicate
1: yeah yeah if i mean it has to be consistent in order to to get the results you want there's also some let's cover a few of the different features that come on different collars so like we talked about some of them have gps but you also have vibrate and tone so the the nodes that we're talking about and you know that doesn't really have anything to do with vibrate or tone but getting the collar on properly absolutely has something to do if you're going to use a vibrate setting. Yeah. Um. You know, again, if the collar's loose and you're using vibrate, you're not going to get the same response that you would if the collar is snug around the dog's neck. So, yeah, well that's true on any level of stem, whether it's stem or vibrate or anything like
0: that, but you bring up a good point with, with the different qualities because a lot of people, they, they love the tone feature. Other yeah. people don't, Uh, some people have to have vibrate me personally. I don't care whether I have a vibrator tone feature on my collar. I don't don't care whatsoever. Uh, and most collars are going to have a Nick button and a continuous button. Yep. And, um, me personally, I really only use the continuous button because I can nick with the continuous button. Sure, you can. just press it real quick. Yep. You can't do the continuous with the nick, so it's like if you look at my collar, like the continuous button worn out. It's worn, but <laughs> yep. the nick is just whatever. Yeah,
1: I I think the nick button on collars is probably just a selling point that it's you know ooh here's another feature. But I agree 100% is I can fine tune that thing you know because if I just press the nick button. It's like a, just a boom shock, but sometimes the dog needs like a little bit longer of a boom shock, you know, like, um, it just gives you the ability to fine tune where I don't, I don't see the point in a Nick button. I never use it, never use them on my collars. Yeah. And I don't, I still apply a Nick sometimes, Yeah, but I just do it by pressing the continuous button and releasing.
0: Yeah. Right. And the pager, I've never used one. I have heard and talked to other people that they'll actually use the pager to to train the dog to do certain things, whether it's, you know, stop on one page and then, you know, mm-hmm. if they hit two that cast left, three cast right. What whatever that's, pretty, same that's thing. pretty complicated. Well it's the same thing with the whistle. I mean yeah. you're just changing it from the whistle to the collar. You can kind of make make up whatever you want to do with it i've just
1: never used the pager i feel the same way about vibrate that you do like i i just haven't had uh really good results with it but um but the tone i do use and that's something that's what i've overused on the e-collar like we were talking about earlier (laughs) is i have used that as a way to control my dog's range when i hold the tone it means i want you to come back and check in with me so I did some things with him when he was a puppy. Like if he ventured off too far, rather than run after him, calling for him, I would go hide somewhere Mm. and make him come find me and, and get a little bit scared. Like, Oh no, where did he go? And then he'd have to come find me. And that, that kind of teaches him to, to stay close. But you know, for hunting, I don't mind every once in a while reaching down and go, huh, where's the dog? And, and just reach back. I don't even have to look at my Garmin alpha to see where he went. see where he is. I just press the tone button and he comes and checks in with me. Yeah. And then I'm not, I don't want to shock him in case he's like on on bird scent or whatever. So, so I like the tone feature, but as I've gotten ready for utility test, I'm like, all right, well, he's not going to have a collar on, so I need to stop doing the tone thing. And he's become reliant on it. Like he's gotten used to like, well, Adam will hit this tone button whenever (laughs) I'm far enough. Uh, So, so I've overused that for sure.
0: And and the vibrate feature, the, the reason why I don't really care for the vibrate feature is you have one setting on vibrate. You yep. you can't change the level of intensity on vibrate. So if you need something lower, if you need something higher, it doesn't matter. It's one level of consistency. And we we talked about it a few episodes back. We've actually seen dogs where the level of vibrate is actually too high for some dogs, for sure. And uh, people think that they're doing their favor, their dog a favor, because they're all. You hear everybody say it. I've only ever used vibrate. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me right. because it varies depending on your dog. That means that you could be using too high of stimulation. And then also conversely, for your dog, you could be using too less of stimulation. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I don't really do anything with the vibrate, just because I have it fine tuned and we're going to talk about figuring out the correct stem for your dog here in a second. I have it fine tuned to where I need to have it on the yep. stem button for my dog depending on where we're at, how many distractions, what's going on, what we're doing, all that stuff. And you don't have that variability with the vibrate, but it just, I I swear they just put it on the collar because people feel like they're being, being nicer to their dog because it's vibrate. It's not shocking.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that a low level of, of STEM, you know, electrical stimulation, what I've seen on the few dogs that I've, put a collar on and use the vibrate setting, they respond more to that than they do yeah. like a level one or two or even three on some collars. I mean the dog I've seen dogs freak out over a vibrate. Yeah. And then well, put it on one and they don't do anything. Turn it up to two, still don't do anything. Put it on three and their ear just barely twitches and you're yeah. like, you know, the vibrate is making them freak out more than level three on this collar rachel my short hair does that so my her right. stem is so low and if i accidentally hit the vibrate
0: button like when i'm reaching for, for it or whatever you'll see her jump three feet in the air <laughs> but like you use you use the continuous just a quick tap on it and she just you know looks at you or does, right it barely reacts and so some dogs are different so that's why a lot of trainers they value so much range in the stem because it varies on what you need and you you don't get that with vibrate you have one setting and that's what you're stuck with and so you know even if if it works for your dog in your backyard okay go to a park or hunting with another dog to where the distractions and drive or has that dog on edge that vibrate may not be enough then right and it just you know that that's why i stay away from vibrate and i just don't see the point in it but it's just people you know i've only ever vibrated my dog okay
1: yeah i i think the point is that it gives people the idea that they're not hurting their dog um, because they're using vibrate and again if you're using vibrate because you think you're not hurting your dog then you just need to put your collar on level one or two and shock your fingers and see you'll, you'll feel the difference. See what a low level of stimulation it yeah. is and and so
0: if you have the correct level of stem, you're not hurting the dog you're it's really you're annoying the dog Mm -hmm. is really what it is is you're trying to set up and you just talked about you start at one you start at two you you build your way up until you get to the most minimal level of stem that you can get to that gets your dog to acknowledge the collar and like you said it can just be a flick of an ear it can just be you know a head turn it it can be you know they'll a lot of dogs will just start pawing at the collar because they just feel it Uh, if you, if you hit it and you get a yelp or the dog, you know, puts their tail between their legs or just, you know, I've seen some dogs just roll over on their back. Like uncle, it's too high. You're looking for that barely acknowledgement and each dog is different. And so that's why there are certain collars like yours that you have the ability to have two different collars tied to the same remote. And that way you have different settings already set up for each collar. Right. And, uh, so it's just important to know your dog and you, you literally have to go through this because every dog is different. If if you have a, one dog on three, another dog may require 20.
1: It, sure. It, it's just different. And each collar is different. Uh, you know, if you have, I've got a couple collars, uh, you know, my old uh, sport dog has like a one through eight setting on it. I can get that thing all the way up to five sometimes with my dog, but on my Pro 550, like level three is generally what he needs. Yeah. Now, occasionally I've got to, I've got to bump it up to the level four so that I have the higher range, you know, depending on what I'm doing. But yeah. uh, each collar is different. So just because your dog's at a, let's say, a level three on one collar. Don't start out at level three on another collar, you know, start even, out at level one and even if it's the same up. brand. Don't exactly. think just because
0: it's two sport dogs or two dogtras that it's the same. Just just build your way up if you're changing collars or, yep. or whatever. And that you're gonna get to know the levels of your dog and what the dog level needs to be inside the house what it needs to be in the backyard if you go to a park if you go hunting is gonna change depending on the environment that you're in and how many distractions or things that are getting them amped up and that's why it's so important to to know your dog and really pay attention because these e-collars they're a great tool if if you're aware of all this but if you just go out there and think that you're going to be able to get the dog to do whatever the hell you want because you have an e-collar Right. That's not what this does by by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah. And you know, you've got to understand the the four quadrants of of <laughs> operative conditioning, uh, if you're gonna use an e-collar, really. Uh, because in my opinion, you're, you're gonna mostly use negative reinforcement and positive punishment with an e yeah. collar. Yep. So a low enough level of stimulation that I can I can use negative reinforcement. In other words, I'm holding down this stimulation, so I don't want it high enough that the dog is yelping. I want it just to where the dog's like, all right, I can feel that, and I've got to do whatever it is he's asking in order to turn this off. Positive punishment, I'm going to go a higher level of stimulation, and it's going to be, you know, a nick. Now again, I don't use the nick button. All the nick button does is no matter how long you hold it down, it just sends like one pulse of stimulation. You're tapping it. But I'm tapping the continuous button for the most part. Uh if the dog is chasing a deer, it's getting you know, it's getting a dose of positive punishment or maybe that would be negative reinforcement. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> <laughs> still toying around with those things, but either way, it's getting a dose of stimulation. Uh, until it gives up on chasing that deer and, and so, it's going to be a higher level.
0: And so what you're really getting at is getting into the training mindset. And so this kind of goes into how many times have you heard somebody say that, you know, my pup's already collar conditioned and you go, okay, collar conditioned to what? Well, he he knows what an e-collar is. That's not yeah. collar condition. You don't collar condition just overall, like your dog knows what an e-collar is. Right. You collar condition and you overlay the collar for each individual task that you're
1: using the collar for. Yeah, a collar condition dog in in my mind is one that knows what to do when you're, you know, you give it a known command and it, let's say it doesn't do that. And then you apply stimulation and it, it understands how to turn the stimulation right. off. And so to proper collar condition, to properly overlay the e collar, you actually, when
0: you train every single thing, whether it's recall, whether it's heal, whether it's force fetch, whatever, when you're overlaying the e collar, you're using that collar as another step of the training method. And so you're not training these commands with the e collar, you're using it on the back end to reinforce that command. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, like when you have recall, and you're you've already taught recall, whether you use a check cord or whatever, you use clicker, you got all of it, but you just want a more dependable. I, my dog needs to know that when I can't reach it, I don't have a collar on it or anything or a, a check cord, it needs to listen to it. You're gonna call it back, and then that's what you're talking about earlier. You hold that continuous button at the correct stimulation, and it does not get turned off until the dog completes. The action. So when it gets back to you on this specific example, the recall, because what it is, is it's the dog is learning to shut the pressure off, right? And then eventually it learns to avoid the pressure. That's what the e-collar is all about is learning how to turn that off. So really, you're Mm -hmm. teaching the dog how to control the stimulation. They're controlling what turns it on and what turns it off.
1: Absolutely. There's, you know, let's use recall as the example. I like that. So once the thing is I don't like to use an e-collar to teach a command. I like to teach with positive reinforcement for really just about everything and then use the negative reinforcement with the with the e-collar to kind of really
0: test it out, fine tune yeah, it,
1: fine tune it and make sure that it's that it's reinforced. Um and that it's no longer You know, you get some sort of reward because you did this. It's like, if you don't do this, you're receiving some sort of pressure. So,
0: and, and in theory, yes, technically you could teach or train a dog with an e-collar. But in my opinion, that's when you get these these collar dependent dogs yeah, to where you can't get the dog to do anything unless you have a collar on. If you take the time and energy and effort to train the dog on, on the command first or the action, whatever you're working on, and then you're just using the collar to reinforce it. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. an extension of yourself that if you don't have the check cord, if you don't have a leash, you don't have anything. You you can still reinforce that command to that dog. That's what it's all about. You're, you're, and so if, yes, you can start off with step one, teaching the dog with an e-collar, but yeah. you're, but number one, a lot of people, if you don't have the right stimulation, you can really do a lot of damage to that dog. If you don't know what you're doing with the e-collar and number two, even if it's successful, okay, you just taught that entire command with the e-collar. What happens when you don't have
1: the e-collar? Right. So, uh, you know, there's an exception to every rule. I, I agree with that for the most part, but I, 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 Looking back, I I taught Mitchell steadiness with with the use of an e collar. I mean we we used an e collar to pretty much teach that. But again, it depends on the dog. Some dogs, if you did that, you might create a dog that starts to blink birds. Um, so if your dog can handle that amount of pressure and bounce back from it, you know, being shocked as a bird's flying away because it's not standing still, then you know, go for it. But even with that, like just playing
0: devil's advocate here, did you use the e collar to teach woe? Nope. And the steadiness is just an extension of woe, right? With distractions and temptation and breaking and all that, really at its core.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't use e collar. (laughs) That's true.
0: You you use it to do to extend the woe and the expectations of steadiness because I that's
1: how I did Rachel and everything yeah. too. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Where I used, yeah, I still used, you know, positive reinforcement to teach yeah. woe and then just transitioned it. And, and that's all yeah. steadiness is, is that's building true off of what, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. So what I was going to bring up earlier is, uh, we we're talking about recall and using the continuous stimulation until the yeah. dog gets to you. I like to do that. And then once the dog is consistently doing that, I kind of give them an opportunity yeah to do it without like, I'll give the command and then right after that I'm holding down continuous and as the dog starts towards me I let off and what I like about that is if they come all the way to me I'm doing the positive reinforcement thing but if they start to veer off it's stimulation right back on yeah and they're in my mind it kind of teaches them like oh I had an opportunity to do it to veer off but he can turn that right back on, and I think it transitions to being able to recall without any yeah. caller.
0: And that, again, that's that's your prerogative. Sure. Like, it's your choice as a handler. There's no right or wrong answer on that, it, yeah. and there's a bunch of different ways of looking at this, and we've seen some dogs that their entire life, they're just so – their cooperation is not exactly mm-hmm. high, so right. we've seen some dogs to where their entire life you're having to reinforce that recall yep. all the way all back. All the way back. Some dogs, you know, some dogs, heck, most of the time, you know, now with with my dogs, I just have to give them a quick tap, mm-hmm. and they know to come all the way back. Right. Uh, I, I do very little continuous all the way back. But right
1: you know and that's what i'm saying is like a couple reps of holding the continuous until they come back and i'm i'm done doing that you know it's yeah. like i've used positive reinforcement then i use negative reinforcement now you get the choice to do it and i might give you a little reminder at the beginning yeah and that goes away but as soon as you start veering away you're getting you're getting more stimulation yeah and you know and so really when when you're training
0: with any collar you're not teaching but you're you're training reinforcing you have to know without a shadow of a doubt what you're communicating to that dog is what you're meaning to communicate to that dog mm-hmm. and uh i can't remember the word that angie on the behavior theory episode used for uh starts with an s do you remember it Um
1: uh, sit no
0: stay <laughs> i can, I cannot remember the word but essentially what it is is like if you try and say your dog is chasing a deer yep. or you think your dog is mm-hmm. chasing a deer but it's actually just running right and you shock that dog thinking it's chasing a deer but mm-hmm. there was never a deer there and that dog associates that correction with this tree
1: that it was next to sure yeah, I remember her talking about that. You, yeah. you've now conditioned the dog to avoid that tree, not yes. to avoid the deer you thought it was chasing. Yes, and,
0: and so you you literally what you're trying to communicate to that dog completely failed. Yep, it, it it was not there, and so that's why it's so important to understand what your dog's actions do, and and your correction or reinforcement is the message that it's going to send to that dog, because that's why when you're out in the field, even if you have the Garmin alpha and GPS and you see, you know, you can see where the dogs at, you don't know what that dog's doing. So right. if you just start shocking that dog, even if you're yelling recall or whatever you have, you don't know what he's doing. What if that dog is tracking a bird or whatever mm-hmm. and you shock it and you give it a, you lay into it, you, you give him a ticket on the E train and, and you hit them, <laughs> that dog may be bird shy after that. Sure. You know, that that's an extreme, but yeah. it's that possibility. And so you you can't just get the collar, strap it on, start shocking the dog. Mm-hmm. You still have to understand what you're trying to teach the dog and communicate to the dog and be aware of yep. what, if I hit this button right now, what's it going to do? If there's any shadow, you know, doubt in your mind, hmm you need to err on the side of caution and maybe not hit the button.
1: Yeah. And de- again, depending on your dog's uh, temperament and level of cooperation. So, if I had my Garmin Alpha on a map setting mm-hmm. and I saw Mitchell running in a straight line and I see him gaining, you know, 200 <laughs> yards, 220, 240, 200, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he's yeah. chasing a deer. Yeah. Or something that he shouldn't be. Or something he shouldn't be. I know that my dog can handle a high level of stimulation yep. and not be like, if I'm wrong and he was chasing a bird, <laughs> I know enough about my dog to know yep. that he's not going to come walk by my side and be like, I never want to be around Dead. birds again. Right. You know, even if I make that mistake with the information I have, Uh, I know it's not going to ruin my dog. So you really have to understand your dog because general, you know, just generalities that like, don't ever do this or do always do this. It just doesn't work for dog training, right? It's always individual situations.
0: And there are certain times to where you need that correction or that reinforcement with the dog to where they know that the collar got turned on. The pressure got turned on because they didn't listen to your command, other mm-hmm. times there are certain situations where you're trying to convey a message to that dog and you don't want that dog to associate anything to do with you. They need to think that what, a, whatever a, the deer, yep. perfect example. If you're going to break your dog from chasing deer and you're going to use the collar to do it, you need to know without a shadow of a doubt, there's an actual deer there. And what they're taking off after is a deer. Yep. And as soon as they go, you hit them with the collar and you're and you you holding down the continuous. It's not just a tap because it, they're just going to knock their head and just keep going. Right. But you do the continuous to where they 100% get the message, but you're not saying anything. Mm-hmm. They need to think that deer is what turned that pressure. That's right. And the pressure got turned off because that deer is long gone and they stopped yep. chasing it. Yep. So there's certain situations to where – they you again you need to know what the goal is you're not just hitting the collar right. because you know it's licking its butt and you don't want mm-hmm. it to it, you, yeah. you know it's just it's all about what you're trying to convey
1: yeah and you know you want that correction when it's associated to some sort of a trash thing that you don't want it chasing like deer yeah. you basically want it to come from that animal but I swear there's just some dogs out there that you're not gonna break from it. <laughs> no. So when I had Gus, I didn't have the Garmin Alpha, but I would I would run him with a bell on so I could hear where he was. And then I had my <laughs> my sport dog collar and I could tell when he was running a deer. Not always do you get to see the deer take off. I mean that's the ideal situation. You go, oh, there's a deer. My dog's about to start running it, and you can you can control everything. This dog, I would hear his bell getting further and further away and he would only bark when he was on game like that yeah so you know and Mitchell does the same thing though a lot of dogs have voice on game well this dog's bell would be getting quieter and quieter and quieter (laughs) just barking the whole time and I mean I could just crank that collar and it didn't matter all the way up I'd hold it down I'd hear him his bark changed to a yelp and then it go right back to a bark keep chasing eventually he'd come back to me and if he could talk yeah he'd probably be like yeah i just chased a bunch of deer <laughs> uh my neck got really shocked too but uh yeah it was fun i'll do it again tomorrow you know <laughs> yeah like, Man, it just this, fired him up and gave this him more is a to maniac
0: go. well yep. you hear you know essentially what we're doing especially in that scenario like you're trying to break him off running trash it's kind of aversion training you're trying sure. to teach the dog to avoid it but how many times have you heard People talk about their dogs that just don't get the message with like porcupines. It has nothing to do with the e-collar, but they smell a porcupine. They go in, they get hit with a bunch of quills, painful surgery, and then you go let them right back out. And the next week they're going to go run right up next to that porcupine again. it's some dogs just
1: don't learn (laughs) while others do. And like Gus learned. So if he was close to me and I could see a deer he would come like to heal and I never said a word to that dog when he chased deer. I would just shock him, you know? Yeah. But if he got onto a deer when I wasn't around, he would chase it. So, so, so somehow he knew <laughs> he that associated you the, to yeah. me and probably how pissed off I was when he'd come back <laughs> to me and I, no matter how much I tried to hide it, you know, they can sense that.
0: Well, and, and not to beat a dead horse, but you know, deer training, uh, I tell everybody like, if you see a deer and you know that you you need to do the training, don't just be like, ah, I'll worry about it later. If you see a deer out in the field, use that as an opportunity to go out. You know for a fact without a shadow of a doubt that yeah. that, that is a deer, that is deer scent that it's going to chase, and use that at that time. I've been out with so many people that were, oh, yeah, eventually I need to break my dog off deer, and then we'll be walking and see a herd of deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you want to go do it? Now nah, I'll do it later now's your chance now's your chance right. you know right now but then you'll be in in the woods with them hunting later and their dog you can tell by the gps they're chasing a sure. the deer and but then they're like "Well, oh, i don't know 100 percent that it's not a deer so i don't want to hit them and I, right and but then they're chasing it because they didn't train it to break it's right use the opportunities yep. that you have absolutely
1: and, but so let's we've talked a bunch about breaking dogs on on trash let's let's talk about the training so like because i mean that is training you're training them yeah you're conditioning them to to not chase something but you know there's probably a group of people out there that are like i don't need an e collar. i'm gonna use a check cord Mm -hmm. and you know what do you think about that like are you gonna leave a check cord on the dog forever no you got to take the check cord off so How do you reach your dog at that point? You know, yeah,
0: it's a, it's a safety net for me, and yep. you know, some of these collars they aren't cheap, and so like when we first got in the this uh, hunting dog world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm sitting there looking at the collars, and I, you know, I'm I'm not one to spend a lot of money if you can't tell by my 14 year old doctor collar that they <laughs> no longer make. But yeah, you need I'm, an update yeah. by the way. <laughs> but I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, all right, I'm going hunting at this time i'm like i'm not comfortable i don't that i know what i'm doing 100 i mean i don't know what i'm doing 100 of the time now but i sure as heck didn't right years ago when i first starting out and i was you know <laughs> rachel's breeder is like garmin alpha that's the only way to go and i start looking at that price i'm like
1: crap that's, <laughs> that's not how i'm going <laughs> yeah, yeah that's
0: that's that's pretty expensive and then uh, pam was the one she actually the wife told me to buy it like, Dude, I'm tra- jackie made me get one yeah. too yeah and she was like you're not gonna take the dog out there and lose that dog like it's Absolutely. a safety net. yeah and, and i'm Man, okay carmen cool. knew
1: what they were doing like, the yeah. wives will make them get yep. the- <laughs> they're
0: they're pitching to the wives not us and i'm hey if my if it my wife is telling me to go buy a, a dog collar to go hunt i guess a, i have a, to i'm buying the dog collar to yep. go hunt but it's a safety net you're not it's, a, it's really hard to grouse hunt in the woods with a 30-foot check cord dragon behind <laughs> Yeah, them. that's right. And, and, you know, I've hunted my dogs plenty of times without an e-collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, my dogs, they're a little more cooperative. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of people that wouldn't enjoy hunting with my dogs because they don't have as much drive. They have more cooperation. Sure. It's what you like in your own dogs. I don't have to have an e-collar, but I still, I mean i can go all season i don't think i used the the shock once last season while hunting but sure. it's there yeah if they're running towards a road if they're if i see a porcupine off in the distance you know if you're hunting in the north woods and there's wolves there's bears whatever like or you're sometime, coming
1: close to a road and your dog doesn't realize it and it's getting ready to run out of yeah. the road of course you're going to start by calling it yeah. if that's the one time i mean i don't care how reliable your dog is if that's the one time that that it decides to not listen to you exactly how are you going to stop it then
0: yeah and also if you don't properly overlay the commands with the e-collar and say you go out there and this is like yeah i have a shot collar, i've never had to use it and you turn it on for the first time some dogs don't react well to it some dogs will bolt if they don't know what that you know that pressure is right and especially if it's too high. So you might get the exact opposite reaction out of the dog if
1: you don't do
0: the do the leg work beforehand mm-hmm. and actually train with the collar. So
1: I actually go really slow with e-collar introduction, almost like with gun intro. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to introduce it uh too quickly and have the dog scared of it. I want the dog excited when it sees yep. the e-collar because it knows we're going to do something fun. So as we transition from clicker training and stuff like that, I start getting the collar out. Don't even yep. put it on. I just I just get the collar out and make it visible to the dog so that, it, again, it starts to associate. When I see that collar, then we're starting to do yep. this clicker training and the collar excites me.
0: Oh, for me, the night before I'm going hunting and I'm charging my collars, I have to close the door of the right. room and oh, then yeah. get the collars out to hook up to the charger. Because if they see me pull the collars out, yes, you have two hours of them just going nuts, going nuts in the, nuts, the house. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. And-, and So I just charge them in the garage. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that, that goes into, if used correctly, they associate it with a good thing. Right. Just like any other training tool. And so if you have a dog that you pull an e-collar out and they just slink down and just kind of like, Oh crap. Right.
1: You might be burning them up a little bit, but, uh, but to me, that's part of the, that's the first step of collar conditioning is getting the dog to where it sees and here's the e-collar and gets the e-collar put on. And it's excited through that whole process. Yeah. So I go from just getting it out to then now I'm going to put it on you. Yeah. not even going to turn it on. And I'm going to do clicker training while just, you're wearing
0: it. Just get used to wearing it. Yeah. And then
1: you're going to wear it when we go out for runs in the woods or walks around the neighborhood yeah. or whatever. Something that you're excited about. Then I'll start turning it on and use it to, yeah. to reinforce a known command.
0: So we've talked a lot. And given a few examples of people possibly using too much pressure with the Mm e-collar, let's talk about the people that don't use enough. Oh, man. that's How many times have you been in the field and somebody, and and it's a recurring issue with a lot of these Mm -hmm. people. It's not just a, a perfect example to where you know something's happening and you're like use the collar i am it's not working and Mm -hmm. you look at it and it's you know it it's on freaking one
1: and right well it works in my backyard well it doesn't work when there's a bird flying away from your dog and four other people around and and
0: and i I think it was scott when he was up here he mm -hmm. told us you know it's like if you're gonna use the e-collar if you're gonna use it make it count Mm mm-hmm because it, when you decide that you need to use that collar, it's a timing thing. You need to communicate the correct thing. You know, If you're working on steadiness and you're using the collar like you are saying and you miss that opportunity to correct them when they break, yeah. if you're not hitting that collar as soon as they break and you have a five-second lapse mm-hmm. and the dog is 50 yards out still chasing that bird and then you hit them, they're not going to associate that you corrected them for breaking from their point. Right. It's a timing issue.
1: Yeah. And when he says make it count, he doesn't necessarily mean, boy, you better turn it up and hit <laughs> him hard. He means turn it up, let's say loud enough that to get through to them. Yeah. That they're, that they're going to feel it. Yeah. Because again, if, if I've been working on healing stakes in my yard and I need to correct, you know, on a level three, yeah, we'll just use, okay. So I'll just use my dog for example. A level three low gets his attention in the yard, you know, with with healing stakes if I need to correct him with that. Mm-hmm. Steadiness on birds, I'm going to four high. Yeah. Like very big difference. So if I go out and I try the three low, he's going to run right through it. And you
0: missed your opportunity and, and to correct it.
1: Yeah. And I didn't make it count because I essentially didn't even have it on.
0: Yeah. And so 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 many people, it's I've been in the field with plenty of them. I'm like, look, you have the e-collar on. Number one, put it on right. Tighten it up because it's just dangling down by their shoulders now. And use the collar. If you're going to buy the collar, if you're trying to train it, you have to use it. And so, you know, I'm never telling people like – Turn it up and fry them, but you you have to know your dog. And a, a, one in the backyard, when you get out in the field or by other distractions, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. So you have to know your dog, and just don't be that person. To where every time you're in the field working on something, somebody is gonna say if if you hear every time you go out, somebody tell you use the collar, and your response is always it's not working. That you know, hint hint. <laughs>
1: turn it up turn yeah. it up yes yep. it, it, it it's just it's completely different and if If someone's constantly telling you that anyways then you have a high drive dog mm-hmm. and if you accidentally turn that thing up a little too high it's not going to ruin that extremely high drive dog yeah more than likely not. more than like yeah more than, more likely, than likely. right likely, again yeah. general sweeping statements yeah. are not good in dog training but more than likely not going to ruin yeah. it another thing i've uh found out is is with the make an account statement is you know i said i can be on three low for healing well if i take my dog on a walk around the neighborhood i might use i might have to hit the three low button five to ten times around the neighborhood you know because a squirrel's over here or a kid rides by on a bike and i'm not going to give the perception that my dog just heals perfectly for a mile walk you know <laughs> he's going to get some corrections so what I've found is I can either hit my dog 10 times on three low throughout the walk. Or go up one setting. Or I can go on three high right off the bat as soon as he doesn't heal properly. You correct him once the whole walk. And that's it. It's one yeah. correction the whole walk. Yep. So the other day, Jackie and I were going on a walk right out of the gate. he I mean, he just got his his butt even with my knee, which was, I'm just not happy with that. Yep. You know, I want him back a little further so i hit him on three high and she's like he just yelped and i said well at least it'll only be once instead (laughs) of 10 times you know the whole the whole walk but and i don't want to hurt my dog and that's the idea is let them know one time rather than, you know, fool around with them. Yeah. Uh, 10 times.
0: Yeah. And, and with him yelping, you know, maybe next time it's like, okay. And so three high, maybe three medium. medium. <laughs> yeah. And it's a learning curve and every situation's different. I, I mean, we've said that a million times, but, yep. but yeah, it's, you know, that, that's really our thoughts on the e-collar. Um, the only other thing I can think of right now is, is the question you get, we get all the time is at what age do you start do, doing the e-collar? and I'll let you answer, then I'll give you my response.
1: Well, I can't really say an age. Uh, I can't put a number on it, but again, like we've said multiple times, each dog is different. I think generally six months old is probably an okay time. If I had to put a time on it, I would say six months. Um, And again, introduce it slowly. So the process I use that, you know, getting it out, making it visible during clicker training, then wearing it during clicker training, then wearing it on walks, then using it to reinforce a known command that doesn't happen over a day or yeah. even that's like four steps that doesn't even happen over four days. It might take a week. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really like, when is the dog ready? When do I get the e-collar and that dog gets excited? Okay. Now I can move on to my next little step in the process
0: and and i'm similar six months is generally yeah a a safe statement but i tell everybody i don't put an put an age on it i it depends on where you're at in your training because Mm -hmm. as i was saying earlier a properly e-collar conditioned dog it's it's overlaid with each command and for one example this was months ago I, i can't remember his name uh he was saying, hey, I have an issue with the e-collar. Can you help me out? I could try. Give me a call. Sure. And he was saying, you know, I, I collar condition my dog, and but now we're working on woe, and he does great. You know, we're extending my distance and everything. If I have to use the e-collar, he just comes hauling butt back to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Yep. Well, when you mean collar condition, what do you mean? He was like, well, we were working recall, mm-hmm. and I was using the e-collar. work and recall and but now every time you use a collar he just automatically runs back to me i'm like because you overlaid the e-collar with just the recall yep with the dog is doing what it knows the dog shuts off
1: the pressure takes the e-collar stimulation as come back to me right now exactly
0: and so that's why i say everything that you do you have to overlay that e-collar as a step with that
1: individual command yeah and for a gun dog my opinion on the best thing you can teach a dog with an e-collar well not teach with the e-collar but reinforce with the e-collar for starters is the kennel command or place because it's something where the dog is going away from you yeah and then later on you know the the next best thing of the dog going away from you is force fetch when you overlay the e-collar yeah but the dog's not going to be ready for that for a while so i like to teach kennel with the well, and that, low level, continuous and that, stem. That's a whole nother hour yep. podcast talking about <laughs> it,
0: It's an art when you, when you get around somebody that, that can really explain and show you the e-collar methods of being able to send their dog away with pressure, as uh-huh. well as bring them back in yes. with pressure. And if used correctly, the e-collar can be your best friend. If used incorrectly, you can ruin your dog.
1: Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gun Dog it Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.